The Bundesliga is back from the international break and so the other Bundesliga team are back as well to round up everything from Austrian football at club and international level. Herzlich willkommen, welcome back to the other Bundesliga podcast. It's been a little while with the international break, but we're finally back together again. I'm particularly excited about this episode because it's not just me, Tom Midler, I've got Lee Wingate with me and Simon Clark as well. The full trio, the, the triumvirate, if you will, that is the other Bundesliga podcast. We're back together, it's brilliant. Hi guys, how's it going? It's finally happened. <laughs> After all of our travels and all of our... Uh, traversing across Austria and Europe, we're finally all back in the same room again. And it's lovely to see you guys in person again. I haven't seen Tom in about six weeks, I don't think. Yeah, where have you been? I've been away in the UK, and that's going to come back into play later in this episode. But I've been away in the UK. Um, what, have you, what have you been up to, Si? I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a lot of... I little, don't know, Jeff. There's a, there's a lot of little travels here and there. Uh, I was in Bratislava on Saturday, which was quite fun. But apart from that, yeah, it's just been going around watching football. Really? What were you doing in Bratislava? Just, Did you see uh, Slovan? No, unfortunately not. Oh. It wasn't a football trip. It was just, uh, I, I had a few, a few visitors from my company and uh, took them to Bratislava to show, show them the capital city only one hour from Vienna. Uh, but they were here for the whole week um, and we saw the Austria-Croatia game. We'll talk about that shortly. And uh, they, they had a, v- a very good time because I accidentally booked it in, in the Croatia section. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it was quite the atmosphere and I couldn't really cheer for Austria. Surrounded oh. by 20,000 Croatians, but it was fun. Lee, uh, what have you been up to, if, if you can remember more than Sai? Yeah, at, at the same game, Austria-Croatia, um, which was pretty much like an away game for Croatia, in the much more pleasant atmosphere of the press box, I think, not surrounded by uh, 20,000 Croats. Um, and yesterday, I ticked off a new Bundesliga stadium that I've been wanting to tick off for quite some time, and that was the atmospheric Josko Arena, the home of Esfal Reed. Did a little day trip there, so... Uh, plenty of, of, of tales from Upper Austria to tell later. I'm looking forward to your tales from Upper Austria, that, that must be said. But right now, the three of us are in Vienna. We're at the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen, our fantastic home for the other Bundesliga podcast. And I'm very excited as well for today's pod, not just because the three of us are reunited, but also because I'm going to have the fish and chips. And uh, when I was in the UK, I basically had a massive list of things like food-related things, food and drink-related things that I wanted to tick off, things that I'd sort of missed from living in Austria and I hadn't been home since 2019 so it was really special to, to be back and sort of tick that list off and then there were loads of other things of course that I didn't even know that I missed I didn't remember and then I started ticking those things off as well um, but the fish and chips that I had in the UK were great and I know that the uh, the long haul is like the only place that can sort of rival that the only place that I've found anyway that can rival that in in Vienna so I'm excited to have a beer with you guys I'm excited to talk football with you guys and I'm also ex- excited for long haul fish and chips. I'm excited for the ribs that we had when we did the last pod. I think I'm <laughs> going to stick with the winning formula. The ribs here are sublime. So. Sai, what are you having? Oh, I don't know. I, I have to look at the food menu first, I think. Uh, <laughs> everything's good on the menu, really. I think last time I had the veggie burger, and the veggie burger here is, is very, oh, very yeah. good. The uh, Beyond Meat, yeah, it's a good <laughs> one, isn't it? Beyond I, meat. I was expecting and, and nay hoping, Sai, for like a mouth-watering description of some food like, like Lee's given. But, you know... I, Whatever. Fish and chips, yeah. here we come. We'll take looking at the menu instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so as you said, anyway, it feels like Austrian football's been miles away, not just because we've been away. Like We did a podcast only, it was only a few weeks ago, really. It wasn't that long ago that, uh, that two of us got together at least to do a podcast. Um, but sometimes it happens, doesn't it, when the international break comes around, that you just, you watch a bit of international football and it just feels like the league's been away forever. And then suddenly it comes back and we're straight back into European games in the next few days as well. So by the time this podcast's out, we'll be right back in the mix with Champions League, Europa League and Conference League action as well. So uh, football is back with a bang in this very condensed World Cup season. Shall we start though, as it's just been and gone, with the international break? Yeah, why not? I mean, it was uh, not the most positive one, but we'll, we'll dissect it nonetheless. No, a relegation, yeah, an international relegation, something unimaginable just a few years ago. But now we've had one. Austria have suffered the ignominy of that, um, I remember actually I put a poll on Twitter the day after Austria were relegated um, to see if, if people would rather have Austria uh, remaining in, in League A, you know, the top class of the Nations League 
uh, down in League B because the games are perhaps more more winnable, more machbar, as as our you know our buzzword is here on the in Austrian football, machbar, doable. Um, or, you know, people just don't care about the Nations League at all. And actually, it was split very evenly between all of them. But I think most people wanted Austria, would prefer Austria to be in League A, where the biggest games are, you know, the biggest names, the biggest games. Um, we got to witness a last couple of those with uh, France against Austria and uh, Austria against Croatia. Uh, what have you made of this, like overall, this Nations League, Austria's, Austria's campaign in, in League A under Ralf Rangnick? I think it started obviously on that incredibly positive note with the, the 3-0 win um, uh, over Croatia in Osijek and I think at that point we were thinking wow we've got the Manchester United manager in um, he's obviously got a very clear footballing philosophy he's worked with a lot of these Salzburg players in the past during his time in the Red Bull Empire and uh, I think everybody was feeling that, that new manager bounce and, and some good vibes uh, since then there have been five games I think one draw and four defeats uh, and I think they've been pretty much comprehensively outclassed in most of them. The Austria-Croatia game that we've just seen was a little bit closer but definitely I think the, the, the mood has subsided somewhat, that, that positivity we saw at the outset. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Yeah I do but I think um, it also was quite a tough draw as well. These are all three teams who you, you can imagine going, going far at the World Cup so um, it was always going to be a t- tough task and, you know, the fact that it went down to, to, to the final match day in terms of relegation, I think they would have taken that. There's, of course, the performance against France, the 1-1 draw against Apple, that was fantastic. Um, you know, it was only uh, a, a ridiculous solo goal from Kylian Mbappe that broke Austria's defence in, in that game. And then, obviously, the second goal came from Olivier Giroud. But, you know, I think they can take positives from it. But the problem... And, and the best thing about the UEFA Nations League is that it is going to be all tough games. England have found that as well, of course, being relegated as well. Like, but, but the Nations League is always going to be tough. And I think the second division is probably where Austria's, you know, it's where they, they should be, really. But, you know, now, now they can look forward to maybe playing teams on their own level and then getting promoted again and then getting relegated again and then getting promoted again, maybe. But that's the thing with the Nations League. And I think the problem for Austria is that also it affects the Euro 2024 qualifying as well. Um, you know, Austria, if they had done well, would have been in pot one. But now they're now in pot two. And um, yeah, that, that draw could be quite interesting. The thing that you mentioned there about, you know, they're maybe deserving to be in, in the second group, the League B. I think this is where football fans are never quite... You can't be satisfied, can you? There's no kind of okay, there's no neutral in, in international football or, or probably with any football, really, somehow. I think maybe club teams can do it sometimes in a league. You know, you can find a place where everybody's kind of happy even though you didn't win. But with international football, it's tough. And, you know, for Austria, you want to be in League A, surely. You know, the momentum's great. You win League B, you go up, momentum's great. You lose League A, you can bottom, and then everyone's thinking, well, that's, that's not very good. And it's like the risk is a bit lower in League A, at least, though, because if you go down no one's really going to point the finger yet there's not a huge amount of pressure hasn't been built up even though Austria haven't won for four games if you got relegated from League B or you're doing badly in League B suddenly there's a big amount of pressure I think it's completely different I can imagine you know if Austria got relegated to League C um, even then winning League C wouldn't really keep that many people happy but um, yeah it's a shame to to drop straight out but I I think there's a fine line there Austria were always going to be favourites to to go out of that group had they stayed up which looked possible for a while. It looked like in that classic football way, France were going to be the team to go down. You know, when you, when you draw that group on paper, everyone puts France at the top and then the reality is, you know, maybe France were going to get relegated and Austria ran it close. I think they did put in some good performances as well, even in games where they came out without any, you know, belonging. Uh, they didn't get any uh, rewards for their efforts. But I think there were a couple of good efforts and, and one of those came again uh, just a few days ago when they were in Paris and I have a, just a little story about being there. I was in Paris trying to go to that game and it just didn't work out. I arrived in Paris. I was coming back from the UK and the holiday that I took there, the trip that I took to the UK, I did it by train, did it by night train. And I came back on the night train from Paris to Vienna, which was a really nice experience, by the way. It's was, it was a really nice way to travel. But I was in Paris the day before and I thought, great, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pop in and see the game. Um, and just like trying to get there was just a nightmare the 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 underground train the metro was just full it was so full it was like what you imagine like Beijing or Tokyo to be like you like you literally couldn't get on so I had to let like two or three trains go by 
and then like I literally couldn't have got on like the people getting like squeezed by the doors and somebody had to like shove them in it was that bad and I spoke to to a, a guy in the station who was just like mate is it like always this bad like what what's the deal it's like quite late before the game I don't think everybody's going to the game it's not like football traffic like what what's the, what's happening he's just like this is the worst train line in the world. This is, this is, in my opinion, the worst train line ever. So I was like, oh, great. And I'd already tried to buy tickets and like you can't buy tickets um, with a foreign card or a foreign phone number and you need a French address and everything. So I, I signed up for a ticket website. I signed up for the French Football Association, all of these things. And then you buy the tickets and then like you find out like, half an hour later that your card payment is declined because you've got a, a foreign postcode or whatever. So at some point I was like halfway to the stadium and I was just like, this is not meant to happen tonight. It's simply not, it's not going to work out and it didn't work out and Austria lost 2-0. So yeah, rubbish night that one. I mean, I'm <laughs> disappointed uh, you missed it, but I am curious to pick up on, did you, did you think that that was a good performance against France? Because I thought it was pretty shocking. Yeah, but I mean, you're playing against France in Paris. It's not, it's not easy to do much. I, know, I mean, Austria made a lot of saves in this group, didn't we? I think that maybe says something about Austria's performance. I think they made amongst the most saves that any team in the whole Nations League did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, didn't really, they didn't do much attacking, did they? It would be fair well, to say. Yeah, I mean, I looked at some stats for this. Austria had an XG of 0.19. France, I mean, it wasn't incredibly high. It was 2.21, so I guess a 2-0 win was, was an accurate portrayal of that, but I just thought Austria, like, they looked so, I thought, so inferior. And I know it's France, but I thought they were much better in that 1-1 at the Ernst Tappel. Um, I read some various press reports as well, and they were talking about how much better Austria were against Croatia. I just thought in that, in that first game against France, I, I was really not impressed. I thought it was the worst performance under Ranić. Yeah, I think, I, to be fair, the comparison with the game at the Ernst Tappel against France is, is not a very good one, is it? To the one in, in the Stade de France. And then they did play much better against Croatia, that's true. But again, played better against Croatia, again came out with, with no points. Yeah, I understand. I'm not, I'm not really sure that the whole stadium atmosphere... Th- thing plays such a, a big role anymore. I think teams are just used to going and playing in, in crowds, some hostile, some not. That didn't stop Denmark and Croatia both getting good results at the Stade de France as well. I just thought Austria really didn't show any of the good things that we've seen from them in the early stages of the, the Nations League campaign. And maybe I've got my expectations a bit higher, but I just think that you know we saw uh, in, in phases, especially in the first game, in, in Croatia, how good they can be. What are Austria missing? Because it mainly seems to me, when I look at it, I mean, Baumgartner had some really good chances in the game. He played well overall, you know, but it, when, when you look at some of these chances that are going missing and, and just look at some of the results Austria have had in general over the past five or six years, maybe even more, you know, since we've been doing the podcast. Yes, we've got Marco Anatovic, but I still feel like this Austria team has never quite found a centre-forward pairing or a front three or a central striker whatever you want to say they haven't got somebody who is just really really reliable in an Austria shirt obviously I mean that's no downer on Marco Arnautovic he's had a great career for Austria he's done very well in the national team jersey but do you remember how excited people were about Sasha Kalajic a couple of years ago because about 18 months ago he put in like two good performances in a row and he was coming in with great form from the Bundesliga and everyone was like way too hyped for him us included because we were like desperate for that hope that there could be a really good Austrian striker. And I think that says a lot about the fact that they do look a bit blunt up front, don't they? Yeah, I mean, of course, but, but you're slightly harsh because, as you mentioned, uh, well, we all hoped that, that, that Sasha Kalajic would be the next great hope, but he's had two now terrible injuries. He, he got uh, he tore his ACL in his, in his first game at Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, you know, it's not the, the best start to, to your Premier League career. But, you know, you do have Arnautovic who until this weekend was, was, was the top scorer in the Italian top flight. So he's still a player who's playing at the, at the very top of his game. Um, but yeah, it's just, maybe it's just the kind of players that, that, that Austria is producing as a country. Um, it just isn't producing the level of talent that other countries on the same level are. And you look at Croatia, Croatia's population is under half that of Austria. Look at the talent that, that they're producing. That why isn't Austria? Although you could argue that one of Croatia's midfielders was born in Austria, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's difficult. It's a difficult question, and I think Ralf Rangnick is also very difficult to implement these plans in these highly competitive matches as well against against great teams. This is why these friendlies coming up against Andorra and Italy 
would be quite interesting quite interesting because he can now bring through players that you know maybe wouldn't have been ready for that kind of uh, competitive experience but maybe could help the team going forward yeah I think that's a good point about you know the size of Croatia the size of Denmark as well the league in Denmark the league in Croatia they're uh, inferior to the Austrian Bundesliga in, and I think most people would agree that we're not even being biased there those leagues aren't as strong and yet their their national team you know their Denmark are like one of the form national teams of the last couple of years and you've got France and Croatia who've both you know just been to a World Cup final so we did have a, a tough draw tough group but then as I was saying about, you know, getting relegated and you mentioned England getting relegated, you know, look what Hungary managed in the Hungary had the group of death. It was a, it was a joke basically about how Hungary were going to get on and they just got on with it and, and, you know, surprised everybody. And a bit of me is jealous that I'm thinking like, why, why can't Austria do that? Cause I mean, yes, Hungary have got a very good uh, set of players at the moment, but you wouldn't look at the Hungary squad and say like, ah, oh, they, they, yeah, they should be doing what they're doing. And, they don't compare too favourably with Austria, except in results, do they? No, I suppose that's true. I think if I had to say what I'd like to have seen Austria done more in the last two games, it would be to have a go a bit more and to play more vertically, like I really feel they did in that 3-0 win um, in Osijek. Like, you saw a few moments in the Croatia game. We had that chance for Baumgartner. There was a really good chance for Arnautovic as well. And they sort of cut through the defence because they went vertically and really quickly. And I just don't really feel like we saw that much of that. And maybe that was the natural caution that comes in when you're playing established teams. I would have liked to have seen them try and do that a little bit more. And Ralph Ranić also said, I thought this was quite interesting, uh, the substitutions and tweaks I made did not do us any good. Within, with hindsight, I would not have done them, which I thought was a pretty strong admission as well. Yeah, um, you don't hear that very often, do you, from no. a manager? So all in all, I think it was probably a few factors coming together. Um, but, but I do agree with Sai. I think League B is probably the level they should be at. Yeah, the unfortunate thing with that, the, my national team that, that I was following mostly during this uh, window as well as Austria was Scotland, of course. They just got promoted from League B, which is a sensational effort from them. And now I'm sure they're going to find the same thing. You know, it's, it is where teams like Austria and Scotland are at the moment that they're, they're sort of going to yo-yo in those things and I always find that a bit weird as a supporter as well if Scotland go up to League A and get absolutely tonked in all of those games is it was still a good achievement to get there and the same definitely goes for Austria just as you know, I was frustrated in the Euros where Scotland got to the Euros for the first time in so many years got knocked out and then everyone's really disappointed it's like yeah but at some point you find your level don't you you know like you find the maximum that you can do so I think the frustrating thing with Austria has still always been that we all feel like the level is a bit higher than what Austria are, are producing. So in a way, that's it's probably not necessarily true for Scotland and their squad. You feel like there's still more to come. And uh, from what I hear you say there, Lee, it sounds like, you know, we've all been burned by Foda playing with the handbrake on. And, and you know, they're not, not... Why be in League A if you're not going to go out and try and attack these teams and, and sort of create some history and, and get some great results? But we slipped down to League B. It's not great for Euro 2024 qualifying as well. And we got a really nice question, actually, from um, the 94th minute, our good friends over in Wales. So uh, hello to you. And thanks for your question about Euro 2024 qualifiers. And I've noticed that now with Austria down in pot two, they can't get, this is a bit disappointing, they can't get England, Wales or Scotland in that group now. So <laughs> that's a bummer. They, they can't get any of those teams in, in Euros qualifying. Who, who would you want them to play against? I chose a group entirely based on who I thought were the worst opponents for them to face. Nice, um, give so us that I'm one. I'm really going to offend <laughs> a number of nations here at once. Uh, from pot one, I think I would choose Poland. Um, from pot three, Montenegro or Armenia. Pot four, North Macedonia. And then Lithuania and, of course, San Marino winless in 125 games. That would be my group I think they'd be most likely to, to comfortably get through. You choose North Macedonia over Faroe Islands, over Kosovo, Azerbaijan? Yeah, all of those. Azerbaijan have won their last three games. Uh, Faroe Islands just beat Turkey. So I, don't, I think it's, it's very easy to you know, go for the traditional minnows. I think, uh, I think North Macedonia are, are very much a worst team at the moment. All right, interesting take. Uh, talking about pot four and, and you know, fe uh, Turkey losing to the Faroe Islands, you still wouldn't want to draw Turkey out of pot four, would you really? An away trip to Turkey. And, and also a home, the home game against Turkey would be another one a bit like Croatia, where it's like, basically it feels like a home team, uh, home game for the away team. Just because, you know, Austria, we don't have the most passionate football fans in the world here. Croatia, of course, do. Um, Turkey do as well. They'd make the Ernst Tappel feel like theirs for the day, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to go to Turkey. They've got Kuntz in the dugout <laughs> and a German manager. Oh, wait. <laughs> Terrible. Mate, Terrible. come on. <laughs> They're struggling, though, at the moment, aren't they? Struggling massively. You say that, they've, they've just got promoted to League B of the Nations Turkey. League. Oh, was that a dead rubber against Faroe Islands? I just thought yeah. they lost to Faroe Islands they, and I assumed they must be really struggling. <laughs> they, drew, they drew with Luxembourg and then lost to the Faroe Islands, but yeah, they got promoted great. anyway. Okay. What about Liechtenstein? That would be cool to play Liechtenstein, wouldn't it? Give us a local derby. Exactly. I was looking at the draw thinking, like, for, for, for us to travel, I think having Hungary in pot one would be excellent. Of course, also pot, in pot two is France, so we can't, can't draw France either. Then um, uh, Slovenia, pot three. Pot four, there's no country bordering Austria, but maybe a trip to Greece, you know, a little, a little trip in the sun, maybe, a little trip in the sun. Uh, Slovakia, pot five, and then Liechtenstein, pot six. But um, for me, like, I mean, obviously not being able to draw Wales, England or Scotland is a bit annoying, but Republic of Ireland is still there in pot three. And we know when they come to Vienna, it's always a party. So yes. that would be fun. Fingers crossed for that one then. Um, we'll finish off the international section in just a second. We'll play a bit of music and we'll move on to some European football. But um, there's one last thing, or a couple of last things actually to round up before we finish the section. Um, Benjamin Sesko, obviously playing well at the moment, um, not, he's not got that many goals in Austria, Sesko. A lot of eyes on him now. He's got the move to Leipzig confirmed for next year. But um, he scored some absolute crackers for his national team of late. So uh, interesting to see him. He's almost looking stronger for the national team than he is for Salzburg at the moment. Yeah, I can't remember the last time that I saw a video clip of a goal being shared on so many different accounts on Twitter. You know, the, you know directly, directly after that, that goal went in, I'm, I'm referring, of course, to the... The one he scored, the Van Basten-esque volley he scored for Slovenia against Sweden, it was, in the Nations League. And the ball was just hanging in the air forever. And he watched it and watched it and watched it. And then this perfect connection that arrowed over the, the goalkeeper. That was a wonderful goal. I don't really feel that he's had the same impact at Salzburg that he, that he has for the national team. And I think he's had a lot to live up to. You think of some of the strikers that have come through the Salzburg ranks in the past few years. Um, but I bet now Leipzig are glad that they've already wrapped that move up. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Uh, moving over to the women's national team, the Austrian women's national team, that is. Actually, just before, I think, our last podcast, I went to Austria against England in the World Cup qualifiers. Um, and it should be stressed that there are some absolutely massive games coming up now for the uh, women's national team because... It's proper knockout World Cup qualifying playoff stuff, this. There's no Nations League. There's no questioning whether it matters. These absolutely matter. And if you want to be at the World Cup in Australia next year, which I do personally, and I'm sure the women's national team really, really do as well, then uh, there's some huge games coming up. So this week, uh, later on this week, there's uh, Austria against Scotland. That's away actually in Scotland. So technically Scotland v Austria, which is a lovely matchup. Um, But it's it's a bit of an annoying one because Austria would have got straight to the second round of these playoffs. They deserved to be in the second round of the playoffs, actually. But given that they had such a tough group, they didn't count as one of the best runners up. And they were just outside that threshold um, to get the automatic place in the, in the final, in inverted commas. Um, so instead, they've got a tough away trip to Scotland first. And if they can overcome that, then they'll play Ireland. And that one would be in Austria. So a very uh, an interesting one for us. We were saying we were missing out on a lot of teams that, that we'd like to face in the men's Euro qualifiers. But... In the Women's World Cup playoffs, we've got them. We've got these games and uh, they're happening soon. It's very hard to plan for the game against Ireland because I don't know if Austria are going to be in that game or not, but I would love to be there to, to watch Austria against Ireland. Envy Arena in St. Poulton is hosting it as well. After all the calls about uh, uh, the, the England game being played uh, in Wiener Neustadt, which uh, you know, had quite a lot of uh, talk in the Austrian media about that. But thankfully, if they do win, they've chosen the, uh, the MV Arena in St. Paulton, which is, of course, home to uh, a UEFA Champions League group stage qualifier, which we'll discuss shortly. And um, yeah, I mean, two, two winnable games, you'd, you'd say, but with Austria going to Hampden Park, you know, and this is, this is also Scotland trying to qualify for a World Cup, you know, which hasn't happened. It happened in France, right? A couple, uh, France 98. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, the a women's, women's team qualified to the last tournament. So they're going to be a tough opponent, but it's going to be very interesting. And I think Austria could be slight favourites. Nobody will have wanted to get them. That's absolutely for sure. Nobody will have wanted to get Austria. But, um, yeah, very tough games coming up. Can't wait to see how those go. And uh, fingers crossed that Austria can book a place at the World Cup. We're going to play a little jingle. We're going to get a new beer. And we're going to move on to talking about some European football. 
All right, so we're back for the European section of this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast from the long haul. And uh, I'll start quickly. We just finished the last section with news about the women's national team. And Simon, you dropped in a little hint there about St. Pilton. And uh, you're right to do so as well, because last week they made history. They beat uh, KUPS, Coops. Uh, of uh, Finland I don't know how you say that properly but uh, they beat that team who are very good the champions of Finland in an absolute thriller in St. Pilton and they'd won 1-0 away in Finland they brought it back they were trailing 2-1 on the night it went to added time and Matthias Ver volleyed in an absolute stunner she said she had cramp in her legs but yet again Zver managed to pull something absolutely spectacular out of the bag. It was a game full of brilliant goals and it was a really, really good one indeed. It just sailed up high and it dipped back down over the goalkeeper and in off the woodwork. And it was in the 118th minute of the game as well. And not only was it just a a brilliant late winner sparking absolute scenes for uh, the St. Pilton bench, also the Austrian national team coach was there. They were all in there to, to enjoy it and to celebrate that. But that goal sparked such great scenes because it literally sent... St. Pölten to their first ever Champions League, Austria's first ever participation in the uh, UEFA Women's Champions League. And the draw has been made on the day of recording this podcast. Wolfsburg from Germany, huge team, obviously, the team who uh, collaborate with St. Pölten as well, Slavia Prague women and uh, Roma as well. Bit disappointed we didn't get British teams. That's the theme of this podcast a little bit at the moment. But no Arsenal, no Chelsea, uh, no like Barcelona as well, who would have had you know an absolutely massive crowd for St. Pölten to play in front. Not not the most glamorous draw, but I think a really really difficult one as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the VFL Wolfsburg have been uh, a leader in women's football in Europe over the last 15, 20 years. So they're going to be a very, very tough game. And of course, the two clubs have this cooperation, which I, I don't think they ever thought they would have been playing in the Champions League group stage. But here we are. Uh, Slavia Prague are a team that are perpetually, I mean, like St. Poulton do in Austria, are just tearing up the, the league in the Czech Republic. And then, of course, the, the fourth team is Roma, which I think um, out of the... Uh, four pot four teams probably were the toughest on paper it's the kind of draw where you think I mean there's a chance but then again it's a very very tough draw but it could have been tougher so arguably the women's champions league is is in that actually a really good place in terms of every team in there is really really good there's there's no easy draw there's no minnows in the in the women's champions league at the moment like they've got that that slimmed down format as in how the the men's champions league used to be you know just just four groups it's straight into big games. So I'm really excited for that. It's going to run on during the World Cup as well, which means we've got a lot of great Austrian football to watch during the World Cup too, which is uh, very, very nice. But a little bit disappointed that uh, Slavi is probably the only sort of close team geographically. Um, could have been some other... I fancied a trip to Zurich as well. That would have been quite nice. Um, yeah, and, and I'm a bit, a bit sad that one of the English teams isn't there. You sure you wanted to go to Zurich after your roaming incident last time you were in Switzerland? Oh, mate, yeah, I... Uh... I checked Google when I was in Zurich. I literally just, just, I just had a change of trains in Zurich when I was on my way to Bern. And I checked Google to see where I was. And the moment I checked it, I got a text that came up and it was like, you've exceeded your usage, not my data usage, like my, my cash limit, whatever it was. It was like, you're 70 euros over your contract. Um, we're going to stop you now. And I was like, what do you mean I'm 70 euros over my contract? It happened like just checking Google Maps was already enough data to give me a bill for 70 euros on top of my contract. So... I'm not a fan of Switzerland. Playing, you know, playing the whole EU thing, man. Like, especially when it comes to data roaming and stuff, like, sort it out. And then I paid 48 euro for a margarita pizza somewhere as well. So, well, 48 francs for a margarita pizza. That is, that is absolutely absurd. I think that the less said about that, the better. Yeah, so, okay, you're right. Okay, so I don't wish that we got a draw against Zurich. There you go. I'm happy to, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, it's a step forward for Austrian women's football. I'm really psyched that St. Pölten are in the Champions League. It's really, really cool to see them there. And whatever happens, it's history. It's, it's another, good, uh, another good step forward in what has been a, a pretty damn good few years for the Austrian women's uh, game. Um, yes, still a lot of progress needed in the Austrian Bundesliga. But um, yeah, this is, this is a big one. Just like Salzburg in the men's game, if they're going to win the league every year, you really want them to be doing well on the European front as well and sort of pushing the game forward a bit. So I'm really glad St. Pölten are able to do that. Um, let's move over to the men's game. I've been a bit out of the loop with... Uh, international or European football this season. I'm yet to, yet to go to a game since the qualifying stages, but um, Salzburg have come away with some very creditable results in the Champions League so far, haven't they? Yeah, I think they've been pretty good uh, in both of their games. Uh, two 1-1 draws, first against uh, AC Milan at home, 
the Serie A champions, and then against uh, Chelsea, who uh, have been courting their sporting director, uh, who is... I, I think this is brilliant courting as well. Courting director. Yeah, courting director. Um, Christoph Goind has said no to Chelsea. Not a decision against Chelsea, but for Salzburg. He wants to stay working there, keep developing young players, which he's done a fantastic job doing over the years. Um, but on the pitch, I thought that they really held their own in both of those games. They, they fell behind in the one uh, in London. Uh, they were ahead in the one against Milan. But I thought in both of them, there was some... Some nice goals, um, specifically. Well, Noah Okafor scored both of them, didn't he? But the one, the one against Milan, he left that defender Pierre Kalulu completely on his ass, nutmegged him, and then stuck the ball through Mike Magnan's legs as well. So that was a great goal. Um, perhaps uh, they shouldn't have conceded. I think the one against Chelsea, Uma got turned very easily, and Bernardo let that slip through. Um, but on the whole, you know, this is. Red Bull Salzburg playing against AC Milan and Chelsea and I think um, it's been a very very good showing so far yeah definitely I just want to give uh, Fabrizio Romano a little bit of stick quickly because he basically announced that Christoph Freund to Chelsea was done as he does you know obviously that's 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 a business model isn't it like when something's close to being done you say that it's done because in all likelihood it will be done um, and then you're the first one to have said it but he gets more hits than misses, that's absolutely for sure. But it was a miss that time from Fabrizio Romano, I'll say. And uh, Salzburg had a, had a little bit of fun on their Twitter, didn't they, basically? On, on the English Twitter, which was unusual. Sort of, uh, they, they, and they, there, was a, there was a Formula One crossover. Hang on, I can't let this slip. There was a Formula One crossover. They emulated uh, Oscar Piastri's tweet from earlier in the season, in the F1 season, where he said, basically, it's been posted without my permission that I'm moving to a new team. So I can confirm that I'm not and I'm going to be here instead. And that's what, that's what Salzburg did to, to sort of mock Fabrizio Romano about the tweet about Christoph Freund. There you go. I've got F1 into the other Bundesliga podcast. What more could you possibly ask for me? Should we move on to Sturm and Austria or do you want to carry on with Salzburg for a bit? I was lucky enough to, to be at that first game against AC Milan and it was uh, yeah, another great occasion at the Red Bull Arena. Um, Salzburg were lucky to get a draw. Uh, AC Milan hit the post. In, in, in the last minute. Oh, it was um, bums on seats time, wasn't it? Or it squeak, was, squeaky bum time. It, it was squeaky, squeaky bum, bum time, time yeah. when that happened. But uh, So they were quite lucky then. I think in the Chelsea game as well, they were also quite lucky because Chelsea had a monumental amount of chances and really should have been 3-0, 4-0 up by the time uh, Salzburg equalised. But, you know, that's the Champions League, you know, you, you take your chances and AC Milan and Chelsea didn't take their chances. So, uh, Salzburg got two draws. Still alive and kicking in the group. And we're very much weighing up whether to go away to Dinamo Zagreb and uh, away to AC Milan, how to do it. Like if we take the fan bus, sort of do some videos on the fan bus. I can imagine it would be quite fun doing, doing some of those. That's a brutal trip away on the fan bus and then coming straight, straight back overnight on the coach after the game. But um, I'm looking forward to the potential of uh, Salzburg trips for the rest of this group. Um, what do you think? You know, they're going into a double header now against Zagreb. I guess we would have looked at that before. I'm sure we did look at it before on the pod and basically say that's going to be the, the determining factor in this group, isn't it? They've, they've come away with two good draws already, but these two games are going to be crucial. I suppose it's a bit like the Nations League group where you had France as a clear favourite and then in the end Denmark and Croatia were the ones that came in the top two spots. Um, it's similar here. You would have probably had uh, AC Milan and uh, Chelsea there, but currently I think it's... Is it Dinamo Zagreb leading the way? They're definitely doing well, aren't they? They've, yeah. they've picked up some very good results as well, which is uh, not not ideal for Salzburg, but yeah. um, no, they've done very well. Having beaten Chelsea in their opening game and then Thomas Tuchel got sacked. So I, I definitely think it's going to be a tough prospect. Dinamo as well, 10 wins and a draw um, in Croatia. That's the best start ever to a Croatian league season. So it's definitely going to be a tough prospect. Yeah, a lot of pressure then on Salzburg for the home game, especially uh, against Dinamo Zagreb this week. Currently, the group is Milan on four, Dinamo on three, Salzburg on two, and Chelsea on one. So it, it couldn't be poised in a, in a nicer way than that, I suppose, for, for the head-to-head against Dinamo. But if Salzburg can take four points from that, I guess, they'd be, they'd be very happy indeed. But yeah, Dinamo are, are certainly not lying down in this group. And uh, they're, they're looking to do more than just come third themselves. Moving down from the Champions League, Sturm Graz have been playing in the Europa League. How have they been getting on? I'm looking forward to a game against Lazio for them this week that we'll, uh, we'll try and get along to if we can. But um, yeah, it's been a mixed start, hasn't it, for Sturm? 
Yeah, well, uh, an opening day, um, or match day one, I should say, win against Midtjylland of, of Denmark, who aren't, aren't doing too well in the Danish league. So I think they probably were slight favourites going into that one. Um, but that's been followed up by an absolute hammering at the hands of Feyenoord. I think it might have been one of their, if not the biggest European defeat. They've had one of the biggest. Um, they were truly dreadful. I think they were, were they 5-0 down at half-time or something yep. like that? Um, so very much a mixed bag. You would have probably seen Lazio as being the toughest team in that group. So now they've got a double header with them where they really need to get something. Yeah, every team on three points in that group at the moment. But hopefully... You've got the likes of Jakob Jantzsch coming back. He was, you know, he's literally like the league MVP in Austria last season and he's not really played at all this season. So um, I'm hoping that, that Sturm can benefit from that. William Berving, the, the Danish uh, forward who's just come in, he got his first goal this weekend for the club, uh, as did Albion Ayeti, the uh, sw- uh, Swiss striker. Both got their first uh, first goals in the Bundesliga uh, the weekend just gone. So maybe uh, a bit of positivity and sort of good form on the on the player side of things going into to this next couple of weeks for Sturm. Hopefully that can lead to some points. My thoughts on these, on these two games. I think if you're a Sturm Graz fan, you're very happy to have the three points in the bag already, considering last season they only got one point, I believe, out of their six games. So to have that, that opening the day win is very positive. The 6-0 defeat in against uh, final, not so positive, but I think um, it kind of just shows the level of the Europa League right now. And you do have teams, I mean, this is finals, who got to the Conference League final last season. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think on Thursday against Lazio, it's going to be a great occasion. Uh, I really hope that you two can uh, go down there for that. But um, I think if you're Stone Gratz, I mean, you know, every win's a point for Austria, isn't it? So uh, I think we'll take that. Yeah, Austria could do with some some more points. You could really use that. I was nervous before this season, given that, you know, Lask, regular point picker uppers Lask and uh, VRT were not involved. So we're, we're relying on you, Sturm. At least they've got one win uh, under their belt. Austria haven't managed it yet, though, have they, in the uh, Conference League? Yeah, so um, I went to the first match of their group against uh, Hapoel Beersheba. And um, I think if you're an Austria fan, you would have been very disappointed by that. They, they had their chances, although both teams had, had hit the crossbar in the game. It, it was a very close game, but I think Austria just edged it on the chances. And they really should have got three points there. And I think I, I hope it doesn't affect them later on in the group, because it really was three points that they should have taken. The, the game against Lech Poznan, on, on the other hand... It's I mean, one to forget, isn't yeah, it? Yes, another one to forget. For Austria. It wasn't a good week in the <laughs> Europa and Europa Conference League for Austrian teams on, on, on match day two. But yeah, I think... Um, was it 4-1? They got, they got 4-1. pumped 4-1 by Lech Poznan. That's yeah, again, disappointing, isn't it? It is disappointing because on paper, you look at those two teams and you think, you know, they're pretty evenly matched. And um, yeah, to get pumped 4-1 away in Poland is not a good result. But, you know, I think... Um, Coming up, these games against uh, Villarreal, it doesn't get easier. Um, but again, of course, they're, they're going to travel to Villarreal for match day three. Uh, but the match day four game, maybe hope of picking up a result. But, you know, it's a stretch, isn't it? It's a stretch. I'm still outraged at Villarreal. <laughs> I'm still this outraged. Is the Champions League semi-finalist from last season. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> and they're in the group in the Conference League with Austria Vienna. Yeah. It's just, it's not right. It's not right. It's not fair. <laughs> so something should be done. Why can't we move Villarreal up to at least the Europa League? But um, yeah, that's an extremely tough uh, double header for Austria Vienna. So I hope they can get these two games out of the way. If they pick up a single point from those next two games, I'll be mightily impressed. And if they concede you know, fewer than maybe five goals in those two games. I'll be pretty impressed as well. So I think if they can keep their confidence intact and their belief intact from this double header, maybe pick up a point or two and don't lose touch at the bottom of the table, give themselves a chance down the home stretch, but they do need to turn it around. Anything else to add on the European section? No, I think we've, we've rounded that up nicely. I'll, I'm now looking forward to telling you some tales from my time in Reed. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. We'll uh, top up our beers once more and then we'll come back with the Bundesliga action, including Lee's highlights from Reed. Can't wait. All right then. So the Bundesliga bounced back after the international break uh, just a couple of days ago. And uh, it was a really exciting weekend. Tons of big high-scoring games, loads of good goals, early goals, late goals. I think there was sort of not, not any records set for earliest goal, but like a, a few of the games had goals, multiple goals within 10 minutes. A couple of the games were also decided by injury time winners. 
it was a great weekend. Um, and just thinking back, like, it's almost so far away. The international break seems so long. It's only one weekend, but it seems so long. It's like, I can't think of anything that's happened before that. But it's a nice time to round up the Austrian Bundesliga anyway. 10 games have been played. And more importantly than any of that, we've finally been to Reed. Lee, how was it in Reed this Sunday? Uh, it was very, it was very, very enjoyable. I took my, my Irish friend, Brian, who decided that he wanted to travel outside of Vienna for the first time. He's been coming to Vienna for a, a number of years, but he'd never Former been... Former producer out- of the pod, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> he'd, he'd never been outside of the capital. And so I decided the best place to take him would be Reed on a Sunday. Um, so we uh, booked some tickets, headed on down there at the excruciating time of 7.10 in the morning. And uh, we encountered that typical uh, Sunday vibe in Austria where there is literally nothing open. It was raining. There was nothing. To, we were told by locals there is nothing for you to do here. Um, <laughs> Did so you that, notice that there was a match on? Did you see any jerseys before you got sort of close to the stadium? Yes. And that comes to probably my, my favourite part of the day, which is where we spotted a pub called the Irish Viking Pub. And it was one of those situations where sometimes when you go to a place that's quite remote and you're very much an outsider, uh, we walked into the pub the whole place fell silent and everybody looked at us and uh, we realised, or we, we were told later that we'd walked into the Ultras meeting point. Um, Awkward. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Emprechtinger, uh, who we met at the stadium, he did tell me that as long as you go in there and you're not wearing last shirts, you'll probably be okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, they. Well, we had a bit of an edgy pint in there while listening to uh, the Austrian hit Rock Me Amadeus played on the bagpipes. Very nice um, Scottish crossover. Love yeah. it. So uh, that was an interesting little prequel to the game. Um, and then we wandered over to the, the Josco Arena, which I've, I've wanted to go to for a long time just because of, of how atmospheric it is, how up close to the pitch uh, the fans are. Um, and we, we had a nice little uh, pre-match uh, Baumgartner. That's the local, the local beer there. It's also a sponsor uh, on the advertising hoardings around the stadium. Never, ever heard of Baumgartner beer. Yeah, I hadn't either. But it was... Uh, uh, it was very much a, a lovely beverage and uh, also had a Bosna, or, or two actually, and a Mars bar. I was in a bit of a, a, bit of a greedy mood. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was very nice. And then, of course, the game itself was, uh, was pretty much a thriller. Uh, it was a, th- a 3-2 win for Altax. So unfortunately, the, the mood is still pretty down in Reed. There were lots of shouts of, das ist ein Schass, from, the, from, uh, from, from many uh, elderly fans in the crowd. Um, very typically Austrian um, uh, football, uh, what do you call it? Critique, I suppose. You do hear that from the stands <laughs> armchair, quite often. Armchair managers. Yeah. Um, there were some great goals as well. So obviously, Altac took the lead pretty early. And then Reed came back into it with, with two absolutely delightful goals, uh, particularly the second one, which was a, a volley straight from a corner, which kind of reminded me, it was very much less aesthetically pleasing than, than Zlatko Junicevic's memorable one. Um, which uh, I saw in the pandemic at a totally empty Allianz Stadion and was so blown away by that I stood up and shouted, fuck, in the press box. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't quite that level. That had a multiplier because it came off the bar. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the bar, the woodwork does multiply the, uh, the beauty of, 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 of volleys. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, some great goals. And then in, in the second half, there were even more great goals with, with Altac uh, coming back first through... Uh, TBD and then uh, Tartarotti's curler. So well, I, had, I had pretty much everything I could have asked for from a day in Reed. That would lead on to my finest ever Austrian football and maybe first and only Austrian football joke. But I found out that actually you did the joke before me. So I'm a bit disappointed. But I was going to say, why does nobody know Alexis's last name? Because it's TBD. <laughs> Uh, ruined it now that I knew that you already know it. But th- thanks for laughing in sympathy anyway. <laughs> it's because it came up on the FOTMOB app. Because every goal, I always go on there and instantly as soon as it's scored, it says TBD and then the, the, the acronym disappeared and TBD appeared instead. So I thought <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was just, it was a great moment that's very hard. It was very hard to explain to my friend sitting next to me the exact context of what made that quite amusing. But um, You had to be there. But we'll remember Alexis TBD for it and uh, he put in a good performance, didn't he? He was very good. He, he really strayed quite far out wide on the left in the second half. And there were lots of um, balls going through the Reed defence through that sort of inside left channel that he was latching onto, looking a real threat. He nutmegged the, the keeper for the equaliser, um, Samuel Shahin Radlinger. And, and then Tartarotti's, you know, 
goal was was equally a, a shout for goal of the match, a, a curler into the top corner. Yeah, you know, you've got an internal competition for goal of the match. That's very, very good. And we had that in many of the games uh, this weekend. But I'm really pleased for Tartarati because he was a very good, uh, promising young player in the sort of final third for Altac a couple of seasons ago. And I think with a combination of injuries and just a lack of form and, and fitness, basically, he's just fallen off the radar for about two whole years. And uh, really nice to see him come back. And it was a, a brilliant arrowing strike. It was like he hit it really high. And it was one of those that stayed high and just it stayed hit and it stayed high and just flew into the top corner for the winner. So uh, a well-deserving uh, winner on the day. I do just want to give a, a shout out for the travelling Altac fans. As, as we are all too aware, uh, Austrian football doesn't have the biggest away day culture. But there were about, I'd say, 30 or 40 travelling fans packed into the corner of the Oscar Arena who did very much what you'd expect uh, Newcastle fans to do and removed all of their T-shirts and were sort of swaying them around. Oh, uh, it was a horrible day in Reed as well, though, wasn't it? It was cold and wet, I guess. It was cold, wet, horrible, and uh, that did not dampen their spirits at all. Um, so ahead of the, what, what would it have been to Upper Austria, about a four-hour journey home, they were very much in, in, in a good mood. Nice. So. They would have had a few pints of Guntermatic, I guess, on the way. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? Uh, p- pints, of, pints of Yosko. Pints of Yosko. Pints, uh, <laughs> pints the of Baumgartner. Yeah, all right, okay. So a few pints of Baumgartner were sunk by the Altac fans. Congratulations to them. An amazing 3-2 away win. They're off the bottom. Reed, our bottom, two wins in 22. Sinking like a stone at the end of last season. Not doing very well this season either. Um, in the middle of that uh, Altac-Reed sandwich is Hartberg, who also lost 3-2 at home. Another uh, rough one for them. Um, 3-2 away win for Austria Klagenfurt, who've been absolutely crazy with their away performances this season uh, Andy Irving sticking away a 93rd minute penalty to uh, to give Klagenfurt another away win um, some brilliant dribbling by Andy Irving earlier on as well for the first goal uh, dancing through the defence uh, lovely to see um, so I'm, I'm quite happy with the way Austria Klagenfurt are getting on moving up towards the top of the table but if we look right up towards the top we have got Salzburg, of course, but we had an unbeaten team in the in the Austrian Bundesliga until the very weekend before the international break. But it wasn't Salzburg, it was Lask. And uh, Simon, you were there, weren't you, in, in attendance to see them lose their unbeaten status? Uh, yes, I was. And I, I took my older brother with me. Um, my older brother was in Austria for the weekend and I thought, you know, what better game to go to on a Saturday than to, to see the team top of the league. You know, they're, they're playing Verskater role. It should be... Should be an easy home win. Wrong. Bearskater <laughs> roll won 4-1. Uh, a remarkable win, really. Um, and it, it was all going so well for Lask. Uh, Kaito Nakamura has scored, like I think, 65 seconds into the game. Uh, Nakamura, top, uh, top point scorer in yeah. the Bundesliga this season as well uh, if you know if you, the, what do you call them goal, goal scorer, scorer points, points. Yeah, yeah scorer points in terms of goals goal and assists Dennis combined yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, but then Verskater all equalised in the fourth minute and then from there onwards despite Lask you know trying and trying Verskate were 3-1 up at half time and then 4-1 up so the atmosphere of the second half was a little bit <laughs> wasn't the, the, the Lask atmosphere that, that, that we <laughs> that we know about and you know, because uh, there's only four, four and a half thousand fans at the, at the Raffaele Arena passing. Um, and normally it sells out uh, 6,000, but there wasn't a single, no, sorry, there were, there were three away fans uh, <laughs> who had a wonderful time uh, seeing Verskater all win, uh, win 4-1. But yeah, Verskater all, a very weird team. Yeah, they're surely the team who are like furthest away from having any kind of form book in the Austrian Bundesliga. They win 4-1 there and then they lose 5-0 this weekend. They're, they're so up and down, it's, it's like, it must be completely head-scratching if you're a VSK Tirol fan. Can I interject with a very random note? I think... Certainly. If we, if we had to rank the 12 coaches in the Austrian Bundesliga on a scale from calmest to angriest... I would have put these two managers at opposite ends of the scale. So I'd have had calm v angry. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Silverberger is the, the calm guy. He doesn't really seem to get riled too much in the dugout. He does a bit like any football manager. He does sometimes, wow. but not yeah. Compared to the rest of the yeah, league, maybe comparatively, not comparatively. Yeah, I think he's, he seems quite calm. And then you've obviously got Didi Kubal, who after that four-one defeat would have very much reverted to his default setting, <laughs> which is it's just pure rage. Did you hear any rage from Didi Kubal, Simon? I was thinking that when I watched the, when I saw the score as well. I thought, oh. He's going to be unhappy. 
I mean, I, I wasn't really looking out for it. Um, <laughs> me and my brother had an enjoyable day, just like uh, having a few drinks on the terrace. I wasn't, I wasn't really working per se, although I was doing a few like live tweets here and there. But no, I didn't really see, but I'm, I'm sure he was. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Raiffeisen Arena, by the way, you mentioned the one in Pashing, obviously, where they're playing at the moment, the old sort of, uh, is it a, bit of a bit of a tin shed of a stadium, cool atmosphere and stuff. But the new one, it's looking pretty good, isn't it? It's yeah. uh, taking shape, shall we say. It is taking shape. Um, I believe they are targeting an opening in late February, which would be uh, after the winter break, I mean, maybe the first last home game after the winter break. But um, well, sooner than I thought. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I, I mean, um, the, the, the signs of it are all over, all over the, the Raphael Sun Arena Pashing. It's quite a funny contrast. <laughs> this stadium in Pashing, which, you know, by all means, it's not the best stadium. Like, it's... Pretty ramshackle. It's really far outside of uh, outside of Linz. Last, <laughs> it's really far outside of Linz to get the tram there. It's I think a twenty-five minute tram, but you properly go into the countryside. And this new stadium, you know, is at the at the home of the former Linz Stadion. Tw- uh, Fifteen minute walk from from the centre. This shining, beautiful new stadium. I think the club is kind of just waiting for that. And then properly, maybe we'll see Lask at the top. I mean, they are they are currently third in the league, and maybe this season we'll be we'll see them, you know keep at the top. For me, though, that stadium does not hold the same allure as it did when I thought it had the uh, Europe's largest children's playground, and they've apparently they've have they scrapped that part of the. Yeah, the I plan. think I think it's not. I think they still have a playground, but it's not Europe's largest anymore. <laughs> well, then, what, what are we even waiting? An for, interesting really? stat yeah. that's that's gone away that we can't use anymore in Austrian football. Sadly, now that's been scrapped from the plans. But in that little fixture sort of list there, there's a there's a bit of a triangle, wasn't there? So VSK um, beat Lask and then got hammered by. Uh, a rapid side who have not been doing particularly well this season, but rapid went into the international break by getting a very impressive draw against Salzburg. Nobody saw that coming because they were on a horrible run of form in the build-up to that, but they did really, really well to claim a point from what looked like a, an easy Salzburg win. And uh, now Salzburg again, 96th minute it was that they struck against Lask in a really entertaining game this time, but they, they had to come back and grab that draw because they wouldn't have wanted to, to lose at home to Lask at all. It was reminiscent of a few years ago when those games were always very, very close clashes. But uh, I think Salzburg and Matthias Chisler will be quite relieved, actually, that they managed to, to nick that because even so, they've dropped four points in their last two matches, which is it's not very Salzburg-esque, is it? It isn't, but it kind of struck me as one of those Salzburg doing what they always do. You know, you always think Salzburg are going to find a way, uh, especially in domestic games in Austria. And, you know, Lask, Lask did play very well and they were ahead, but somehow you just always have a feeling in the gut that Salzburg are going to come back and, and, and get something, and, and that's how it proved to be. I mean, the 96th minute, it's so close. Yeah, it was so close. I checked my phone at, like, 95-something, and it was like, oh, they're oh, going to do the classic, middler. Be, classic be, yeah. middler phone I've check. just thought about that. Now, it's my fault. This is, I have this the, the habit of doing this, and I checked it. I was at a wedding, so I couldn't see much, and uh, I checked it. It was, like, 90th minute, 1-0. 92nd minute, 1-0. 94th minute, 1-0. And I saw it, it was like 95, 58 or whatever. I was like, ah, oh, still 1-0. Okay, fair enough. And then I went to look at the result later. And it was one all. I was like, ah, oh, of course it is. And uh, <laughs> the, the reason I say that is because I was uh, at a wedding with a whole load of, uh, of Lask fans as well. So I had to sort of break the bad news to them that... Um, that it was 1-1 but from hero to zero Marian Lubacic back after his suspension for a stupid punch a few weeks ago this time he uh, did really well great movement in the box to get onto the end of uh, of Peter Michel header really clever stayed on side flicked it past the keeper seven in eight for Marian Lubacic Uh, missed two games with the ban but um, it was his pass back at the very end. He just did a quick little pass back. It was aimed at a teammate. And the aim there, deep into the 96th minute, would have been to smash it clear. But he was facing goal, knocked it back towards a teammate so the teammate could clear it, but actually ended up wrong-footing the teammate and kind of putting the ball on a platter for Salzburg. And if you watch Lubicic on the replay, he just puts his head in his hands as he sees the whole situation unfold in front of him. He's completely rooted to the spot, does not move a muscle. He knows what he's just done. And uh, Salzburg... Grabbed the leveller. Like it, it was such a shame because Salzburg rarely, rarely, rarely lose at home in the league, and it would have meant that the top three would have been separated by a single point as well, which would have been quite fun. Yeah, it would have been, would have been. But uh, that being said, Salzburg have dropped four points in the last two games anyway, and that's allowed uh, Sturm Graz, who've won their last three, to close back to within two points. So uh, Sturm are two points behind. Lask are four points behind, I believe. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Sturm, they've sort of come floating back in after a little rough spell that looked like they'd, they'd sort of fallen away. They'd lost touch with the top, but they're right back in there, aren't they? In the breakaway top three, really. 
they are, and while that should give us all hope, I was told a stat at the Reed game that basically said there was one season, I don't, I haven't calculated which one it is, but in the recent past, there was one season where if Salzburg's points had been halved and everybody else in the league had not had their points halved, Salzburg would have still won the title. <laughs> wow. So, you know, what we, what we really need is a situation where another team is, is perhaps even going into that, that, that stage where the points are divided with a sort of three or four point lead and then Salzburg don't do what they always do, which is really to pick up in the championship round. They're just phenomenal there. So, uh, yeah, you know, I want to feel optimistic, but... It's still better for it to be close, though. Let's, let's assume, let's, uh, let's hand Salzburg the title theoretically right now anyway, because they just play so, so well in those last 10 rounds. But, you know, it's still better to have it nice and close. And it's good for the confidence of Sturm. It's good for the confidence of Lask. It, uh, it, it just brings a bit of belief into other teams. And, you know, Salzburg... That's two games in a row that they haven't won. They've already been beaten at least once this season, so they're not gonna. They don't look like a Salzburg team who are gonna run away with it. Maybe in a in a historical sense, although you know I might be eating my words in a few months. Yeah, I mean I'm in the same opinion of Tom. Uh, I think um, this is not a vintage Salzburg team, and I think it it, it will be closer than uh, than usually. And uh, I think if you look at Sturm Graz's form uh, since their defeat against Lask on the 20th of August. You know, there's a winning way against Rapid Villa there. There's a nil-nil draw against Hartbill because, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's the win in the Europa League, of course, as well. And then, yeah, then they've now won four and five in the league. Like, this is a team that's in really good form. Of course, there's the sixth against final, but we'll keep that quiet. Yeah, but, but they are looking good. That, like, in the league, they're looking fantastic. So, yeah, I think we could have a title race. Importantly for them, this weekend against Austria-Vienna, a really good game that was, by the way. Austria-Vienna came so, so close to scoring on so many occasions. Jörg Siebenhandel was in brilliant form between the sticks for Sturm. Um, he really made them you know he helped them really to win that game and 3-0 uh, didn't really tell the right story but uh, great news for Sturm because they got first goal from Albion Ayeti the Swiss striker who signed in summer and it was a first goal from Rillian Berving as well who uh, has come in the, the young Danish player uh, who everyone's touting as a replacement for Rasmus Hoyland different type of player but still young and Danish and uh, now he's got his first goal so uh, impressive stuff and they played some very nice football in the build-up to those goals so Sturm may be going into their games against Lazio at least with a bit of momentum and uh, back up into the top three in the league as well. And of course, the next opponent in the Bundesliga is Verskaterol. So will, will, <laughs> it, will, it, will it be the 4 at Lask Verskaterol or the 5-0 home defeat against Rapid Vienna Verskaterol? It's the true barometer, isn't it? Now, Verskaterol have had a heavy defeat 5-0 against Rapid. So if you beat them next game, you know you've done really well because you know, VSK are suddenly due a victory. But uh, another team that have floated up the table in recent weeks is uh, VATC, and they've been on a bit of an opposite trajectory to the team that they beat, Lustenau. Uh, Lustenau were anchored in the top six for a long time. Now they've fallen out of that. And uh, VATC, who had that horrible start to the season, um, they've got like, quite a lot of wins. What have they? Have they won their last three as well, I think, haven't they? Yeah, they, they won four of the last five. And uh, yeah, they're up to fourth place suddenly. Who, who saw that coming? So they've got, they've got 12 points in their last four games, and I think they've got 14 points in their whole league season. So... They're on a, a great run of form, VRT, uh, enjoying the, uh, you know, the, what's the opposite of the word burden? You know, the freedom of like not having any European football. They're loving it. Ty Baribo yes, uh, scored in all of the last four games as well. Yeah, Ty Baribo's been fantastic for, for VRT. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting having, you know, the, the, the two Corinthian sides once again in the, in, in the top six. Yeah. I'm just thinking, who else is looking good at VRT right now? T uh, Tieno Ballo looks like a completely different player to the guy who was on loan at Rapid. Uh, Ballo looking great. He's got a really nice goal this weekend as well on the turn. Um, Maurice Malone as well with a whole load of uh, goal contributions in the last five games. He's been involved in a lot of uh, goals and assists. So a great start from Malone. And they're looking good. Um, yes, Austria Klangfurt, their rivals as well. A very, very strange team who are brilliant away from home. I think if, I'm, if my stats are correct, Austria Klangfurt have scored four goals at home this season lower as low as anybody else but they've scored 14 away from home so they're they're absolutely brilliant their, their last few results there's like a 3-3 there's a 4-3 win there's a 3-2 win they've been they've been they're the entertainers this season we've always got one haven't we in the austrian bundesliga a crazy entertaining side who just are involved in a, a huge amount of goals this season it is unquestionably peter packelt's austria klagenfurt but they're backing up last season when they were in the top six and, and they've managed to get a hold on themselves and not get 
four players sent off every game. Yeah, which yeah that's because they got rid of Gemichi Bassi, who was quite good last season. They got rid of him in their red card count. Only, like... <laughs> Only on loan, though. Only on loan at Kashin you... Pasha. So next season, you can look forward to many more dismissals when he comes back. I want to Fingers check crossed. how many red cards Gemichi Bassi's got at Kashin Pasha this year because, uh, you know, it, it makes a huge difference to the... Um, you know, it makes a huge difference to the quad, the fact that they finish most games with 11 players, doesn't it? So, yeah, looking ahead to Bundesliga fixtures to come, the one that stands out on the fixture list is uh, undoubtedly the 337th Vienna derby, which is coming up this weekend. Inevitably a 1-1 draw, as it has been for like the last 50 editions or something. Um, it's going to be another 1-1 draw this weekend at uh, the Allianz Stadion. So put that one in the calendars. Already a 1-1 draw for Sunday evening. I'm looking forward to it. But it ties us in nicely with a question we got from uh, Orma Einhorn, which is an interesting name, Orma Einhorn, on, um, on Twitter. Thanks for the question. Orma's question was, uh, can you tell us about the biggest rivalries slash derby games in Austrian football? So we've got the Vienna derby, of course. Guys, can you run us through some others? If you don't know Austrian football that well, of course, you're going to know that uh, the two Bundesliga teams in the capital, Austria and Rapid, that's going to be a big derby. It's played more often than most leagues because of the way Austria works, you know, uh, fewer teams, more fixtures, etc., etc. But um, if you look around the rest of the country, there's some other games, uh, geographical derbies between teams from the same state and things like that. Uh, run us through some of those. What are the biggest derbies and biggest rivalries that you'd say in Austrian football? Starting the Bundesliga, perhaps. Well, the one that really made me want to go to Reed in the first place is the, the Upper Austrian derby against Lask because that's, there's a real ferocious atmosphere there. And I think if I go back to the Oscar Arena at some point, it's got to be for that game. So that, 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 that game between those two Upper Austrian rivals is, is, um, is particularly feisty, so much so that... Do you remember Oli Glasner, who's now uh, at Frankfurt and Indeed. was at Lask when we started the pod? He played for, for Reed for all his career and then became the coach of Lask and had his uh, honorary captaincy at Reed stripped from him. Wow. So it's a, it's, a, it's a contentious one. So they weren't proud when he won the uh, Europa League as a coach. Lask were, but, he, but they weren't. Yeah, I would presume not. <laughs> He's very much persona non grata now. Interesting stuff. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Simon? Yeah, of course, if we're sticking to, to, to the Austrian Bundesliga alone, uh, we have two rivalries that, that have come up over the last couple of years. The first one is down in Corinthia. Uh, Austria Klagenfurt and Wolfsburger at Say. They played a, a remarkable game uh, back in September where, uh, where Klagenfurt won 4 3 at their local rivals. <laughs> part of their crazy away yeah, part, win record. <laughs> part of the crazy run. So that's always one to watch. And of course, brand new to the Bundesliga this season is the uh, Vorarlberg derby between Altac and Austria Lustenau. Uh, Lustenau won that with, uh, I believe, an 89th minute winner uh, in front of uh, a sold out Cashpoint Arena in Altac, 8,500. A fantastic pyro and uh, fantastic tifos and looked like a real vibe. Otherwise known as the apple juice derby, <laughs> because uh, of our of our trip to Ferrarberg a few months ago, where they just plied us with apple juice. They they love it there. So that, and had that, the giant inflatable juice box yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. So henceforth it shall be known as the apple juice derby. Very nice. I like that. The apple juice derby over in Ferrarberg. Um, yeah, there's, there are lots of derbies actually, aren't there? The traditional one here is Rapid against Sturm, you know, two big teams who both hate Salzburg basically now. So that's a traditional one uh, that doesn't share geographical uh, borders or boundaries. But um, actually within Graz as well, there's a couple. So in the Bundesliga, there's the, the Styrian derby between Hartberg and Graz. And Hartberg always managed to squeeze out a result from somewhere, uh, regardless of their position in the table, it seems, in that game. Um, but there's also... It doesn't uh, occur in the Bundesliga at the moment, but there's also a great derby, which brings us to the ÖFB Cup, because uh, Sturm drew GAK in the cup. So Grazer AK, GAK around about 20 years ago were winning leagues and cups and stuff. So they were a massive team then. Sturm have been a big team, you know, all the way through since then. They've won leagues and cups as well. So that is a, a huge one on a footballing scale and it's within the same city. So that's going to be absolutely brilliant later this month. We've got the Vienna derby coming up this week in the Bundesliga. We've got the Graz derby coming up in the cup. So some absolutely brilliant derbies in Austrian football. Um, if anyone can top that one, I I'd be impressed. But Sturm against Gierkar, really looking forward to it. We haven't mentioned the, the first derby I think we probably ever saw when we came to Austria, which was the, the derby of love between yeah. uh, First Vienna and Sport Club. Very good, yeah. So they have been meeting in lower divisions, but uh, two clubs with, with brilliant histories. They're not in the same league at the moment, uh, First Vienna and Wiener Sport Club, but it's true that is a really, really good derby to see. And for lower leagues here, it gets... Uh, upwards of you know i think we went to the first one the first one that we went to had like more than five thousand fans or something didn't it so really uh, huge numbers 
Almer's other question was the top five Austrian players ever, which I think is a, it's a bit of a big one to dive into at the very end of the pod. So we'll, uh, we'll look into that. I think that's one that we might come back to you on Twitter and answer you with a with our, a sort of a poll list of, of top five Austrian players ever. But uh, thanks for your questions. In terms of derbies, a lot uh, a lot to look forward to there in the cup. Anything else that stands out in the cup? There are some other big games coming up this month to look forward to. Um, I know there's uh, Wiener Sport Club. The aforementioned Wiener Sport Club are playing against uh, first v- uh, against Austria Vienna. Sorry, so that's a city derby from. Uh, you know, lower league to, to top flight. That should be a good one. Yeah, so uh, if you're in Vienna over the course of uh, the 18th to the 20th of October, you can see three games in three days. There's for Florence Dorfer, AC against Lask on the Tuesday. Then you have uh, Admira, just outside of Vienna, but we'll count it as Vienna. We'll take it. Playing Red Bull Salzburg on the Wednesday. And then, of course, Wiener Sport Club, Austria, Vienna on, on, on the Thursday. So... That'll be a nice little football trip if uh, anyone's close to Vienna for those three days. Yeah, I think we're going to try and get down to Graz for the aforementioned uh, Sturm against GRK derby there at that time. And of course, uh, there's the game uh, VSG Tirol against Rapid Vienna. But it's slightly different from the one in the league game because VSG are playing at the actual home stadium, which is a rarity. Yeah, back to Vattens for VSG. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. Good, good shout there. Anything else sticking out? I, I want to mention first Vienna because they got knocked out of the cup in interesting circumstances not long ago. They lost to, to Siegendorf, I think. But then Siegendorf had their next round game played at the home of first Vienna, which was just weird because they couldn't use their own stadium. So they ended up playing their second round tie in the home of the team that they knocked out in the first round away. So I'm not sure that's ever happened before in any other cup competition, but I like it. It's a bit ironic for a club whose name translates as winning village that they don't have a place to play their games, isn't it? Yeah, well, just for that cup game. It was a cup game against uh, Austria-Vienna again, actually, I think. So, um, yeah, that, that was an interesting one from earlier rounds. But going back to first Vienna, we were there for some second division action uh, last week and uh, we had a nice time, didn't we? And we pre- preserved, the, I say we, uh, first Vienna preserved your record of never having seen a nil-nil draw. Yeah, I've been getting very close to that that record coming uh, or, or disappearing because Simon and I were at the um, Team for Wien uh, game against Wiener Sport Club a few weeks back and there was a stoppage time goal there. And again, this Friday, or last Friday I should say, uh, there was a stoppage time goal to give them the win against Katzenberg, which took them up at least temporarily to second. I'm not sure what happened later that evening uh, in, in the, the division's other fixture. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been very close to the precipice a few times now, but, but fortunately, never seen a nil-nil still. We also met some fans of the other Bundesliga podcast who, who recognised uh, us based on the, uh, the logo and our accreditation. So if you're listening, uh, Joachim and Wolfgang, delightful to meet you and uh, thanks for the beer. Yeah, that was really lovely. I had a, a really nice time there. I wasn't feeling super great either and uh, that, that cheered me up. It was a nice game. First Vienna winning right at the end. Felt a bit sorry for Captain Berg, who haven't won yet. But uh, yeah, an injury time own goal, that is a, that's a bad way to lose. But yeah, very nice to meet them and, uh, and have a beer. And uh, I said that we'd give a shout out to their friend Teresa on the pod as well, because they said their friend Teresa is a big fan of the other Bundesliga and uh, loves listening. So thanks very much for being a listener. Thanks to everybody who listens to the other Bundesliga podcast, especially you this time, Teresa. But uh, thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, thanks indeed for listening to this episode. We'll be back soon in the next few weeks with uh, roundups from all the international games, the Bundesliga games, the cup games, everything that's happening in what is going to be a pretty busy and hopefully very exciting October. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.